0: Welcome to the Tri Tech Games Podcast.
1: This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav.
2: This is Amber.
3: Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of finding out that it was all a lie and they were after you the entire time. This week, we're talking about Bureau 13 training missions. We're really not talking about going on a training mission. We're talking about a training evaluation where the mission you're sent on is really for the purposes of determining how well you've learned your lessons or how fit you are to go on missions of various levels of security, danger, competence, whatever. It's a fake. It's not real. It's a scam. It's it's an illusion. It's a simulation. You as the agents are basically at the whim and plan in deep dark planning of the bureau as they pull you up for evaluation. The good thing is, though, is that it's still worth experience.
1: Yep.
0: You have joined the most secret government agency that you have never heard of, the 13th Bureau of Justice, otherwise known as Bureau 13. You are a government agent charged with the duty of disposing of the greatest unnatural threats to the people and the economy of the United States and Canada. You will work under the knowledge that you are funded by an organization so secret, even the highest government officials do not know of your existence. Welcome to the elite band of people who wander the dark streets of the night, ever searching for the horrors that should not exist in this modern age. You are a special agent stalking the Night Fantastic. Vero 13 is a Gen Con award-winning RPG of modern horror and paranormal adventure. It's available from TriTech Games at tritechgames.com in both the original editions and in the D20 edition, with a new Savage Worlds edition coming soon. Remember that wherever the supernatural waits, good and evil, the agents of Vero 13 will be there. But the evil is growing.
1: And we're not talking one of these adventures where it's a training mission and, and of course, surprise is a real supernatural being at the end. Now, this one is entirely a training mission. There is no surprise supernatural at the end you have to fight. It's basically you got to hit the, all the checkboxes and they'll evaluate you. And you would do better if you actually figure out the training mission at the end than you are if you don't. <laughs>
3: It's definitely very good to to figure out that it was a training mission. It's more important to pass the mission, even if you don't figure it out. If you do the right thing, you know. Unless of course the mission is for you to figure out that it's a training mission, in which case then you fail. So we're assuming that that's not the case. I, I'm assuming that the cases that we're going to present to you are uh, with the idea that you're not supposed to figure it out. You're supposed to just follow the the procedure and find the supernatural and deal with it and whatever, you know, that's, it all depends on, of course, the scenario we're going to present. We have each worked very hard to uh, come up with a scenario, a training mission scenario for you to try out on your players. And so we hope that you will see, uh, and, and when you do this, the whole idea of these training missions, of course, is to encapsulate the very basic concepts that are in the game. What makes the game fun? Why are you a Bureau 13 agent? You know, those are the things that we want to really hit hard because it can be used also as a means of getting new players, especially fledgling players, because ultimately in a train mission, no one's supposed to die. So therefore it's safe. Of course, you don't know that while you're going through it, so that should be very exciting. But John, you said that there were some really important things to consider about which system you use for a particular training mission because those things can short-circuit uh, your ability to pull it off successfully.
1: If you have a mage in there, as you said, if you've taken our advice and let the mage—basically, his spell book is the burial book. Look what spells are available. There may be divination spells that can actually allow them to go ask a simple question: Is this a supernatural event? And if they make the roll, you as the GM have to, you know, let's be honest, you have to be honest with them, and you say, "No, it's not." Well, unless of course
3: there is a supernatural <laughs> creature
1: involved. Yes, and that's the, and that's how you you deal with that. You make sure you have at least something on, on with you that's supernatural, because you also, especially if you if you're using even the old rules. Uh, some of folks may have supernatural sensitivity. If that does not kick off, if, they, if their supernatural sensitivity does not kick off, they may start wondering, wait a second, Joe, you, you're sensitive to this sort of stuff. Have you sensed anything? And Joe goes, no, I've never had, I didn't have a single role to sense supernatural when I've been here. You know, it's like, there's no supernatural here.
3: So you can't, it can't just be fakery. You've got to put enough, you have to salt you know, uh, there has to be enough salt in the in the, the the dish to to make it have the right flavor. Yes, that's that's all part of good adventure design.
1: But, uh, but also, I've run enough Bureau 13 games and conventions with people who actually are big fans of Bureau 13, and I know for a fact they pull they would pull out their Bureau sunglasses or the Carillion detectors and start doing things by the book. And if you, didn't, if you don't plan well, you have to start either improvising. And, and when you start improvising, improvising is this sort of mission, this sort of venture. You can easily get yourself in a hole where you can't get back out of. There's two situations
3: where this is not a problem. One is where you provide the characters so you therefore know what equipment they have. And secondly is where you are playing with your own group. Where you know, because you're the GM, you know what equipment they have.
2: There are ways around this. Okay. Either way, um, you're going to have some idea what's going on with the characters. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to do this kind of mission, then um, you should know who's going to be in it because the bureau would know. They're training their students, so they would know what the students have. They would also be in some level of control of what you'd be allowed to bring with you because they're sending you on, and I'm assuming this is going to be one of the first uh, missions that you would go on, period.
3: It, It would be some of the early missions your character goes on, yes. Yeah.
2: If you're an experienced agent, sure, they might send you on some mission like this, but I find it highly unlikely because experienced agents should not need to go on one of these. Sometimes these these are designed to see what
3: level of ability you are so they can promote you to higher, more difficult level missions. So an experienced character might run into one of these situations.
2: I should say experienced team because you're really doing this as a team. All right, then. Even under that, you're being evaluated by your instructors so they know what you can do and what equipment you have and what equipment they will allow you to have given the situation. I mean, if, if you want to hit experienced characters with some kind of crazy mission, you make sure that they're in the office and you've uh, made a stipulation where they have to stay at the office where you have complete control over their environment prior to the mission. And then in the middle of the night, the klaxons go off and you round them up completely out of wits and send them on their way immediately in the emergency situation so they don't have time to plan appropriately. You know, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of ways around this. But w- where I was going with this is, is that you as the game master have control, and it, and it would make sense because they are being evaluated. What you can do is you can set something up to look like a supernatural event, right? And the guy, one of the guys, you know, does his divination spell and says, are, is there a, what supernatural creature is there? And his god says, there are no supernatural creatures around, or there's no supernatural creature causing this. And then he's like, wow, that's interesting because it sure looks like a supernatural incident. But he doesn't know that it's not a mission, doesn't know that it's not a real mission. So then the characters have to think, well, what the heck else would cause this? So you're still keeping them on their toes because now they have to figure out why all this weird stuff is going on, yet it's not supernatural. So what, what the heck is that? Then you start thinking, oh. Maybe some kind of weird alien or a psychic. depends on how you define supernatural. But, you know, maybe a psychic isn't supernatural. Maybe sonics don't fall under that. Or or maybe it's um, some kind of weird science or something, you know? Yeah. I think it would
3: be depending upon the person asking that question.
2: I, I have to agree with you, John, that you as a game master need to know that. So when they pull it out, you're not surprised. You have an answer for it. Okay, well, right about now is when such and such is going to use, you know, divination. And this is going to be my answer.
1: Now, here's the, 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 some things can, can come back and buy us in the butt from from the, from the uh, previous podcast. So, of course, someone has their I got it token, as, as Bruce has said. So he always has, lets them have that I got this token. So I if, if everyone has one of those I got this token, they can always play their I, just, I got this token and get that piece of equipment. You decide not to let them have because you use the GM and letting them – for, make sure they have the equipment they need and therefore they have the I got this token I got this so mm-hmm. I, if I were to design an adventure I would design the fact that they'll have access to anything they'll have access to all the equipment therefore you have to think through okay if they have a Korean detector what do, what do they see when they, when they scan those wet footprints on the, on the door sill you know do they scan as being people do they scan as something else you see what I'm saying you have to think 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 it through
2: well and if the, and if the bureau okay so if your bureau instructors know that um, and let's say they've planted those wet footprints we're, we're alluding're we're, we're foreshadowing here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well let's say they they take a look at those wet floor uh, footprints well um the bureau could actually have agents that would be supernatural that left them, but you know they're friendlies mm-hmm. There's supernaturals that are working with the agency.
1: They know a friendly, fr- a friendly bog man who will come and make those, <laughs> make those footprints for them.
2: Well, because you know the bureau does have some, you know, supernatural creatures working for them. So of course they're going to use whatever
3: contacts. Yeah, there, there are some teams that have them on the team.
2: Yeah, they're going to set up a mission like this. They're going to say, "What resources do we have?" And somebody would say, "I don't know. We got some bog men. What do you want to do with them?" Oh, I have an idea. You know, and then. They could set it up that way. They just got to make sure that none of these bog men are around when these guys get trigger happy because uh, <laughs> you're likely to lose one of your allies.
1: That's the other thing you got to worry about too is that some teams, like the teams I've been running with uh, in uh, conventions, have usually been think first, ask questions first, and then, and only then, pull the hardware out and start shooting people. Of course, you can run to people who basically go, it's a bog man, and you know, just mow them down. And they would
3: fail. Yeah. Hopefully the Bogman would survive.
1: The whole
4: thing with Bureau 13 agents is that you're supposed to investigate and then determine how to go about it. If you're a Bureau 13 agent, and or if you're a Bureau 13 team, and you just go in and wipe stuff out, they're not going to put you in investigations anyways. They're going to just say, you know what, you're heavy combat, you're an X team. When we want something wiped off the face of the planet, then we'll call you.
1: An X team training mission. <laughs> you...
4: Wow, kill this. Yeah, that's. <laughs> uh... Those guns, don't point them anywhere, Naraz, point them at them over there. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Wait, uh, you'll not stare at the operating end of the portal device?
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's very, I think it's very important to consider that you're. Your team has access to all the spells, at least up to spells up to a certain level, uh, wherever their highest level player is. He has access; he could have access to spells that could allow them to basically see behind the curtain and see the see the man behind the curtain. Basically, you have to take account for that.
3: Right. Okay, Grant, Grant, John, it has to go into the design of that that they may use divination. So either they have to be prevented from using divination, or that you have to account for what will they get back
1: if you if they use it. Yeah, or Farsa or whatever. But also the other important thing is don't change your GMing style. If you run a game a certain way and you have people make plenty of notice checks and stuff like that, or perception checks or whatever you want to call them, keep on doing it. Just, you know, just don't change your style of play because changing your style of GMing can be a clue also that something else is going on. It, it, it's a bit more difficult because you're trying to hide things, but you know, hey, depending on how they ask their questions, you can answer them exactly the way the way they ask them, and not give them any information other than what they asked. So you can you can still lead them down uh, down around some red herrings and so forth.
0: Franchuously, the game of interdimensional adventure from Tri-Dad Games.
1: Antarctica. 2010, a Japanese research team finds a portal to alien and alternative Earths. Only one person in 100,000 has the special ability that lets them use the portal and travel the pathways to infinity. You are this person. You are the Fringeworthy. Fringeworthy is the first RPG of Interdimensional Adventure. Across millions of alternative Earths. Fringeworthy is available at Tritag Games at www.tritaggames.comslash fringe.htm. A million, million worlds await you. Go visit them. Well, then,
3: uh, with those caveats in mind, let's proceed on our adventures. Who wants to go first?
4: I suppose I can. All right. As I put in the group, agents investigate a giant spider nesting in the Allegheny Mountains area after reports of people ending up missing in that area. Now, the Allegheny area, that's the Pittsburgh general kind of uh, western Pennsylvania. All right. Now, the team would go in. And they would start seeing, okay, yeah, we see the creature has the multiple legs. It's kind of big. You know, it's up there in the mountains. And, of course, you got the, the people up there, you know, like, well, yeah, we saw it carry off the dog. You know, And occasionally people would be missing and they would say, well, yeah, you know, they were here last night. They were gone this morning. And here are the tracks. So the team would start investigating. They would eventually follow it back to a lair now with spells and stuff yeah the, the your supernatural divination yeah they wouldn't pick up on that there they well no there would they would pick up on some they would get like a faint reading and as they get back to the spider's lair and eventually try to you know deal with this this creature now obviously they probably may want to study it most bureau teams they're not gonna they'll either try to contain it or keep it in there there's some bureau cases where they try to keep it in the ecology i mean i've read in the various books oh there's a unicorn in like yellowstone national park or like the vampire that, you know, fights drug dealers. Okay, fine, they keep him there because he's not harming anybody really important. So depending on how they would handle this, if they realize that, okay, it's taking care of stray animals, if it were take, since they said it was taking people, though, they would have to obviously try to stop this because, you know, people missing from an area after a while is a bad thing. Now, the kicker about this mission Yes, it is a training mission. They would try to, you know, as I said, dope it out, okay, where is it doing, where is it doing this? How can we, you know, how do we vanquish this thing? I mean, can we just, you know, gun it down and take it back for study?
3: This is a real creature, right?
4: Oh, yes, it is. Yes.
2: Okay. So in other words, what you're saying is the, the Bureau, there really is a spider out there, and they really are sending them out to investigate this thing. Yes.
4: Oh. But, 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 no, it's it's not quite a spider. I'm drawing on the 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 parts of Bureau Thirteen D twenty that I added. Go for it. Okay, uh, Colonel Shay Talbot, the character that monitors with Fringeworthy coming to Bureau Thirteen Earth.
0: mm mm-hmm.
4: Her being Fringeworthy herself, originally from the Victorian Earth, and joining IDet, and then basically making the position for herself on positive 13 prime where she's that liaison would offer to get a Demixie to pose as a spider
3: ah okay yeah
4: yeah well this Demixie you know uh, what they're like what five six feet tall
3: yeah they're man size
4: yeah so yeah that would be considered a giant spider and of course it's going to act in the dark so you can't get well wait a minute it has a it's a centauroid with human hands and the spider body you know it in the dark, it's going to be seen as a
1: giant spider, yeah. Yeah. Especially if you get a hunter. The hunters would be would love to do this, especially if you get a few free meals.
4: Well, obviously, the Bureau would sit there and give this thing, you know, various types of technology or magic in order for it to not be hurt as much. I mean, yeah, it's going to act like it's in pain, but, you know, they're going to send this team knowing, okay, it has... These spells, these attacks, we're going to give you proof against these things. You're not going to be hurt. Don't worry. And so this Demixie I even gave up a, uh, gave a little bit of backstory. Now, the Demixi, uh, from the Fringeworthy file, they're masters of constructing. They It would be there actually like, okay, I'm going to help you guys build things, you know, structures and buildings and whatnot. And so this would be its way of, okay, I'm helping you out here. I can train your people on how to deal with this type of stuff. And I would fit right in. People would think I'm a giant spider. So, as I said, Colonel Talbot would call. She'd have to contact, oh, God, um, IDAC, the Interdimensional Alien Corps, to get this Demixie there and then just set it up with the various magical and technological protections in order for it to survive the team. And after a while, they would, you know, if it was getting enough damage pounded into it i'm sure that the because the supervisors would have to be there they would be hidden somewhere when this thing would be fighting the team and i'm sure that after a while they'd be like okay stop you know, we, <laughs> you, you you figured it out and and so the demixie it, it would have been brought through the norwin pennsylvania portal which is, I because I looked at my atlas, I couldn't even find Norwin. I found, I had to Wikipedia it up and found out it's like 20 miles away from Pittsburgh.
3: Yeah, so it's, it's, it's where they moved the one from uh, Monroeville.
4: Oh, wow, I have friends in Monroeville that are actually in Bureau 13D20. <laughs> Shannon Fisher, yeah.
3: Yeah, they moved it from the mall uh, in Monroeville over uh, in, uh, to, to that location after uh, the, the zombie uh, outbreak.
4: It wouldn't happen to be the mall that actually you're walking up and down hills in the mall, would it? Because I've been to that mall.
3: <laughs> no, it's, it's the one where they filmed Dawn of the Dead at. Okay. Oh, cool. All right. I don't think I've been to that mall, but... Um, but okay, just, it's, in, it's in Monroeville.
4: Oh, then I might have been to that mall, then. It's... They, they actually carved it into the hills where you're walking, you know, like you walk through the aisles in a mall, and you're, like, going up and down hills. It's really weird. Anyways, the Norwin-Pennsylvania portal, they would have brought the Demixie through, set him up, gave him his protections, and then called the team in to, yeah, there's this giant... Of course, nobody's missing. Those are just made-up reports. And the Bureau can hide that to where, you know, you're not going to find out that these are fake reports. So they say, oh, yeah, this person disappeared, and that person disappeared. Okay, fine. They go in, they take care of it, and then with the magical protections and technological protections against it, after a while, the the instructors would say, okay, you followed how we wanted you to follow to do this. And it, ju- it just hit me with that type of mission because I was like, okay, what could be a way to train people to how to track and investigate in... A less than urban environment because of the Allegheny Mountains, as I said, Shannon Trish from b 20 are friends of mine. I was at their wedding.
3: It's a lot of woods and hills and. Yeah, round round topped hills. Yeah.
4: John Amherst, that's how it is here in Michigan. Pretty flat. Um, but yeah, the team would have to learn to investigate in this rural wilderness area. And so that would help survival skills. That would help. Your tracking skills I mean you may not have to rely all that much on divination and whatnot or technology and it would be a good way for them to to sharpen those that skill set because you are gonna need it I mean not every bureau mission is going to be in the inner city or you know, the suburb so i I came up with that scenario to give them that edge to help maybe you know whatever game system you're using you know put a couple of skill points into that afterward because you've practice some.
2: Trav, I got another angle on this. You want to train an early team, either a beginning team or a slightly, you know, like an inexperienced team. Yeah. You have a very experienced team who've already taken this thing out. As a matter of fact, they've just taken it out within the week. Right? They killed it inside of the cave. However, they managed to kill the thing without like blowing it into pieces. It's still like basically in one piece. So the agency goes in, props this thing back up, does all the like, groundwork to make the, the characters you know scared, um, has not told any of the residents in the area that it's been taken care of. So it's still like a real live threat in everybody's eyes except for the bureau and the experienced agents who have dealt with it. And you send in this inexperienced team to deal with this thing as if it's still a real threat. And then you basically grade them until they get right up into right up to the thing to see what they would do to handle the situation. So, you know, they're investigating. They find the cave. They, you know, they check out the cave. They realize, oh, my, there's a spider in there. You know, it, there actually really is a big giant spider and he's in the cave. And you see what they do. Like, do they see for the cave into oblivion? Do they uh, try to, uh, uh, you know, full frontal assault? Do they just leave it? Do you? So it's a good way to evaluate what they would do put in that situation without actually putting them in any danger whatsoever. And then as soon as they get to the thing and it's dead, that's when you do the reveal and you let them know that it was just a training mission.
4: Okay. I like that. No, when you were talking about, oh, yeah, and it's dead and they were going to do it, I'm thinking of that, that one story I read about the guy who – Turned his dead cat into a helicopter. I'm thinking you're going to reanimate this Demixie to move around. Be like, oh, that's nasty.
2: <laughs> oh no, 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 no. I was I was thinking actually like a real like a real giant spider that that the uh, the bureau has already dealt with, and they use that as an opportunity to see what inexperienced players would would do given that situation.
3: Okay. All right. A thought I had along the lines was yes, use the Demixie, have him be seen. <coughs> But then when the agents show up to try to investigate it, what they run into is a bureau team who's acting like a bunch of hunters who are hunting it. And now the mission has changed, find this creature before the other team can find it or deciding how to deal with this bunch of hunters.
4: Yeah, trying to throw them off the track, yeah. Who
3: are, who are now out for fame and fortune and, you know, uh, at a great trophy on the clubhouse wall kind of situation. You'd want to make sure that that team didn't include any supernaturals, of course, but they could be more experienced than the uh, team that they're up against so they could have some parity. The the thing is to push them to the point where we can see how far the agents are willing to go to stop this group of hunters and, in essence, find themselves in a position of protecting the very creature they're trying to hunt. Okay. All right. So there different ways of using the same scenario.
1: Oh, yeah. John, you got a spin? I'm just shaking my head because I'm going, okay, now I have to re- revise this, revise that. Thank you, guys. <laughs> 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 uh, but no, I mean, I, I, I mean I, the idea of using Demixie w- was great. Uh, I mean, it's a, especially if you use 100 Demixie, I mean, I can see him laying traps. I mean, just for fun. He's laying traps. You know, no one told him to. He decided to go out and lay some traps, and you know, I mean, that's what he does.
4: And there's the and there's the bureau, uh the 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 teacher going, no improvising. I told you to do just this. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> Say, for example, you're talking about if you're playing Savage Worlds, he might be a legendary Dixie hunter. Hmm. You're playing with novice characters. In Savage Worlds, a whole you know five novice characters really don't stand a chance against a legendary um, demiguy like that. Especially if he has if everything's in his court, he knows everything that's going on. He has the heads up, and they walk into his his trap. Oh yeah, he wouldn't really be in any danger.
4: Well, yeah. Well, the kicker is is that usually ninety nine times out of a hundred. The bureau team don't have the home court advantage, except well, this is our country. <laughs> That's yeah. it. That's the only home court advantage they have.
3: And God is on our side. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever God you plan following.
2: <laughs> I think John can attest to this. You've, I mean, you've run enough Savage Worlds, been in enough Savage Worlds. You take a legendary character who has the drop on everybody. N- not a chance.
1: It doesn't even have to be legendary. I mean, hey, you could go with heroic. Well, because of the way the rules work, I mean, even a novice, I see a novice character roll a 36 damage on somebody.
2: Yeah, but that's really rare.
1: Yeah, it's really rare, but, you know, like in most systems that actually don't use uh, accumulating hit points like D20 does, um, it's quite possible, once you get past the, the person's toughness, to take them out with one shot. I mean, it's quite It's, it's actually it is quite possible. it's actually not rare, especially if you're using deluxe version. you can have characters designed to be assassins and they can definitely take out people with one shot, you know to at least or at least damage them to a point where they're going, what the heck happened here?" and you realize he's just novice. you know, <laughs> you know but yeah it is. I mean it's like any system that uh, like Tri- the original tritech system was that way too. It doesn't matter what level what level you were bolt to the head you're still dead
3: <laughs> unless somebody has magically protected that part of your body
1: yeah that's true so
3: we've already covered the fact that you know proper preparation for that sort of thing is essential
1: the way I mentioned the mixe hunters hunt is they're like trapdoor spiders they lay out trap lines and if you hit one of the trap lines he knows where you are but this, instead of running out there and grabbing you He's, he's going to now go play with the team. He knows where they're going because they're hitting his trip lines. So he's got his trip lines out in various places and he'll come up and lasso somebody and drag them up and then let, let him go.
2: Well, John, that's exactly what I was talking about. I was saying that you're, you're talking about a legendary hunter and he knows they're coming. So that's exactly what he's going to do. He's gonna, they're, they're not going to – dude, they're not going to stand a chance against him. If, if, they, if they win or even really hurt him, it would be a miracle.
1: I actually can imagine him doing doing you know picking uh, doing the old abduction thing. Yeah. Grabbing one of them, taking him off, you know, wrapping him up, hanging him upside down and make you know make various gutter sound sounds at them and then then go off and let that person get rescued.
2: <laughs> well, try to get rescued.
1: No, no, let them get rescued, you know, cuz then the rest of the team be all there one spot then they can show up again and really make their day.
2: Yeah, that was the point. They would go to rescue him, and now he knows where they are, so then he picks off the last guy on the line, and it's just like enough to terrify them to give up, and then that's when they would – they'd be evaluated as in, you know, well, you guys did a really good – you actually did a really good job, but, you know, it, the cards were stacked against you. It's sort of like a, uh, a Kobayashi Maru. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, Traff, let me ask you a couple of questions on your scenario. Okay. The people who disappeared, they're just saying that. Am I correct?
4: Yeah, right. There's nobody disappeared. They're just saying, yeah, we've had reports of various people disappearing. And you can even get people local to the area that are bureau contacts, such as Shannon, Trish, and the D20 that I put in there, based on my friends Shannon and Patricia Gallatin. And they could sit there and, you know, say, well, yeah, you know, neighbor down the street, you know, we haven't seen him in three days. And, you know, we found these tracks here. And you'll have people in on this who are bureau well, they're Team Cavalier, so, you know, they would act. So, yeah, I mean, you would have, it would, it would just all be fake. Nobody's missing.
1: So you're assuming that, A, the Bureau has intercepts set up, so when they hit the, B, they hit the uh, Secretary of State and looking for birth records, they'll find them, right?
4: The <laughs> Bureau, you know, they'll, they'll make sure that all this stuff is there before they do this. I mean, they're going to plan this based on the team that they're going to throw in there.
1: And the reason I bring this up because some people won't think about that. You know, those, oh yeah, they'll say they're not there, not think that. You best cover your tracks because if you're, cause if the, the players are used to hitting the, hitting the internet and going up and looking up records, there's no person by that name living here. You have to make sure you remember to have the intercept so that they can be lied to at that point. <laughs>
4: Well, that's why I said throw in local contacts that mm-hmm. will be more than happy to help
1: out in this. I mean, the bureau finds a person who's willing to volunteer to let the Nixie the scratch them, or at least you know do non-human, non-human or non-normal animal type wounds that are not fatal or not debilitating. Just you know scratches, so that if they examine them, they go, "What the heck made that?"
4: Yeah. Well, because usually spiders, from what I've seen, you know, from what you see in movies, giant spiders usually either bite or they'll just smack you with a leg. So it's like, it would have to be like, yeah, I could see my buddy Shan with a, uh, a five-foot-tall human spider. Yeah, just gnaw on my shoulder a little. Ow, that was a little. <laughs> An occasional fake wound would be good. I mean, mm-hmm. And I don't think demixy have poison bites or anything. Or I don't know. Maybe the hunters do. I'm not sure because there are what hunters and spinners. I think are the two types of demixy.
1: Yep. Yeah. Actually, you know, I never thought about giving the hunters poison bites. Now I got to think about that now.
4: Well, I don't want to. I don't want to jack up the Savage World production here. But I just, I'm figuring. They may have gotten rid of that through evolution. They may have just said, "Okay, well, we've evolved enough; we don't need this anymore," and they've just evolved out of it.
2: I don't, I don't think we want to mess with that because then we got to come up with another, we got we got to come up with a complication offset. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. That's true. Yeah.
3: yeah. These are player characters. Yeah. And they're done. Leave them alone.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Rex, we're being attacked. Don't you worry, Dolores. Old Rex will dodge your Sky Pirates. El Tarib I knew I smelled something foul when I passed by Attawonga. So, Rex, what are we going to do? Well, my dear, you're going to man that 50 cal on the roof to it. Me? I'm going to do some fancy flying. Man up, Tareem. Rick's Havoc is coming through.
1: Explore the world of the Hardwired hinterland. Visit the lands of New Akron, almost Canada, and new old New York deal with sky pirates and the natives of Edawanga. It's your new home and your new life. Make of it what you will. The Hardwire Hinterland is a systemless role-playing campaign supplement from TriTech Games. You can use this supplement with any role-playing game rules that you like. Available as a PDF from TriTechGames.com That's TriTechGames.com Come to the Hardwired Hinterlands and let your imagination soar!
0: Yeah, well, the first of you turns my stomach. Hasty lumbagos, reeb. Rex, shut up and keep flying. Don't worry, Dolores. I'll keep them flying. Over the Hardwired Hinterland.
3: So who's next? Go, Flicks.
2: I'm going on the assumption that the team is new or relatively new. So mine starts out with – it can be anywhere, but I'm saying like a small town along Route 66. So it's a highway, but it's kind of off the beaten path. It's not like a major, major highway. And there's a small town – that has you know, some residents in it. They'll eventually find out that the town is, uh, is a bureau town. The, the whole thing has been built by the bureau. It's basically a set, and all the people that live there are all bureau agents. So you know the 20 or 30 people that they station there when you show up are all bureau agents. You can have some of the houses empty with uh, lights that turn on and off and everything so that it seems like there are more people living in this town. So you wouldn't have to fill the whole thing up. The group arrives and they're, they're told to investigate this town because there were some strange happenings uh, in a nearby lake. The party shows up. They start to investigate. The only thing that they will find – and you can let them look around. And you, you, can, you can even throw some red herrings in there like you think you see something move in the water or you hear movement in the trees or you know just whatever you want to do. Uh, but the only thing that they actually will find are some strange webbed footprints on a trail near the water and uh, this is a trail that goes into town. The tracks don't go all the way there. They kind of fade out at some point along the way. Now, if you have a player that's good at tracking or something like that, some kind of nature boy or something like that, this would be a good opportunity for him to put his skills to use. And uh, he would find that, you know, where a normal person wouldn't find the tracks continuing on, he does. And at some point, they switch from being these weird webbed feet to human feet. And they head off up the trail into the town, you know, towards the town, but again, he lo- he loses them again at some point. If the party sticks around, you know, by the lake, trying to catch these things, nothing happens, of course. So eventually they get cold, they get tired, they get bored, and they go back to town. Nothing's going on until the next nightfall, or, or that nightfall, if they go back to town that night. And, and you want to do this at night because you want to take away their ability to see everything. You want to kind of put them on edge and off guard. You want to set the mood. So as night falls, they'll be in their uh, bed and breakfast or wherever it is that the, the bureau is set up for them to stay at. And, and, you know, you can make it so that the bureau has made these arrangements so that you get them all where you need them at any given time. And then uh, a kid will come running in and say that his parents are missing. If they go to the kid's house, they will find wet footprints everywhere and the footprints lead out to the back door to the, to the trail that goes down to the, to the lake and then when the team heads down to the lake which they will inevitably do and if they don't then they're you know they're pretty much not doing the mission and it may not be all of them they may leave somebody behind which might be a good idea when they get down to the lake there'll be nothing to find but the bureau'll be watching what they do and how they investigate this and basically what it turns out to, it sounds kind of lackluster, but when you play this out, I mean it will take hours because they'll be digging into everything. They'll be going into the Hall of Records trying to look up records and you could plant records that, that go back several hundred years and you could be like, well, wait a minute. How old is this town? And it might turn out the town is only 50 years old and it's like, well, what was here before? And you might want to plant some stuff. Maybe it's an old coal mine there or something like that. You, know, you could plan a lot of stuff to lead them down a lot of different paths, and basically what this would be this would just be the bureau seeing how well these guys investigate things and how they handle themselves under the stress of being uh, confronted with some kind of weird thing that they're they're having a hard time finding any information about and and see what they do and see how their stress levels you know how they respond. you know it's just a big evaluation mission. Uh, there's really no creatures now we were talking about this before we were saying that you know what if uh, what if they have you know some kind of way to determine whether they're supernatural creatures or not? And if that's the case, you know, as the game master, you should be on top of that. You should know what kind of equipment and abilities that the players have. And if they have those, then you can just say, well, the bureau had some you know aquatic you know Aquaman or whatever you know lake creatures or or whatever that were uh, um, friendly to the bureau and were working with them. Or I mean, you could just say, no, no, you don't detect anything. And see where they go with that. It's like, wow, it's not it's not a it's not a magical creature. Maybe it's aliens, or maybe it's or what if it's a ma- magical creature that doesn't show up on our sensors, or what if we're using them wrong, or what if they're broken? I mean, there's all those kinds of options that that could get introduced at that point. Um, and that's when you have the techie tearing the glasses apart, going, "I think they're broke. Maybe when you dropped them, especially if you have one of the guys get out of the car and his glasses drop on the ground, they don't really break, but it's to give him that, that plausible." Yeah, that, that excuse to be like, well, sh- I dropped him, and the game master said I dropped. They made a point of it, so maybe um, you know, maybe I broke him.
1: The, the players may think, you know, if it's D twenty, okay, I wrote I rolled a twenty, and I uh, didn't detect anything. Maybe it's a DC thirty five or something like that to detect what's, what those footprints are. Right. May actually give themselves their own explanation why they couldn't detect it. You know, maybe it's in or savage rolls. They have to target numbers eight. And they only rolled a seven.
2: And as the game master, this is where you got to use your your acting chop. You always give them that sly smile. You know, it's like when they say, "Well, what did I get?" You you just break out that big smile and you go, "Nothing." And they're like, "Oh, there's something there. I can tell." Or as the game master, you could go, "Would you roll again?" Oh, uh, you're not really sure. You think you might have something.
1: Especially in in worlds, that's when the guy with the Craylian detector goes. Uh, I'm going to Benny that roll, and spends a benny to re-roll that re-roll that thing. So you're just making them spend their Bennies, which is always good, <laughs>
2: <laughs> right? And they, they get them back anyway.
1: Yeah, eventually get them back. Yeah. But.
2: Or as um, it depends on how you play, but if, if you allow yourself as the game master have Bennies, you know when they make a good roll, that's when you spend your Benny and go, yeah, you don't find anything, that, and that makes them think that there is something there. So you're totally keeping them on their toes. So th- there are ways to keep it, you know, um, keep keep the players on their toes, and and we just got to remember if you have any friendlies working for you who are going to be playing the part or the, the the possible part of a bad guy, you need to keep them away from the players' guns. You could well. Here's another thing you could do. I didn't even think of this, but. If you're the bureau and these are your agents and you have control over all that stuff because they work for you, you could say, yeah, you're going into this small town and uh, you're not taking any weapons with you. And they might say, well, what if we run into it? It's a small town. I don't want any incidents. You guys are not experienced enough to be throwing bullets everywhere. No weapons.
1: Oh, they're, they're going to sneak. They're going to sneak weapons. Well,
2: they will. But if – limit John. But if they do, they're going to be small weapons because that's all they can sneak in.
1: You can fit an M sixteen to a thirteen pocket. You know that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do they all get issued one of those? Pretty much a standard kit.
1: Bruce, is it standard equipment or is it something you have to you have to get a request special? Didn't even exist until the latest edition. So you talk,
3: John, like everybody's got one literally in their hip pocket. So uh, I would try to keep it you know, limited for the main reason that your curling detectors are going to have a problem if you keep throwing in all kinds of magic around it. I would limit it to just one or two things so you could carry really heavy, bulky items
2: along with you that you normally wouldn't want to carry. Whoever the leader is, whoever the one who's assigning this mission, I mean, he could say, all right, give me your 13th pocket. I'm going to inspect it because no weapons. I want to see it. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? So, I mean, they could do that, and they could be the ones to stick you in a van and send you out that way. You're the game master. You have control. You need to exercise your control.
4: Why am I reminded of the two scenes one from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome and Farscape, The Peacekeeper Wars, where they're disarming, and it's like disarming Germany? Okay, give me all your weapons. Out of the, out from behind the belt one down the back, another one in the boot over here, <laughs> and there's this pile of weapons on the table. Now, is that everything? Oh, sorry, forgot this one here. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right.
1: With your scenario, Peter, you actually could tell them right to their face. Now, you know, this mission is very important. We are going to evaluate how well you do. You can tell them right to their face they're being evaluated. And they would never realize that, yeah, because this, this is actually a training mission.
2: But yeah, you know, that's true. I mean, they, they could know it is an evaluation mission. They don't have to know that it's fake. They, they could think it's a very real mission.
1: But the acrylic detectors, you also could have them when they scan those wet footprints. You say they're human and let their minds do whatever they want to with that information.
2: Because <laughs> I'm thinking of the deep ones, right? Because if it was me, and that, that's where I got the idea, I actually got the idea, I was thinking of this being like a Deep Ones mission. So, you know, the Deep Ones actually are half-human.
1: Depending on how, on what stage they are in their progression toward full Deep Ones.
2: Right. But that doesn't mean that the fishy one came and took you. Maybe they got one of their human... And there's also Menfish in Hell's Night supplement, I think.
3: Yeah.
1: Menfish.
3: Yeah, Menfish.
1: Menfish. Men. Men They're down by Menfish.
3: Oh, oh wow! All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to our podcast once again, and we hope this has been useful to you in u- doing various training missions for whatever games you're playing. Because whether you're playing, you know, a game where you have knights of the uh, round table or seals, uh, as in like na- um, Navy seals, and uh, or space. Uh, captains and freighters, there's always going to be the possibility that you're on a decoy mission, you're being examined by somebody who might want to give you a job there's always reasons to have training missions, so we hope that you've taken some thoughts from this, and if you got some good training missions of your own we hope you'll post them on our Facebook pages, uh, or on our Yahoo groups, or on tritechgamers.com, and we're looking forward to seeing that, and we'll have more for you soon, but until then... This is Bruce Sheffer saying, there are a million, million worlds
1: out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying, keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the
2: game, hate the players. This is Amber. It's all fun and games until the DM
4: rolls a one. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun.
0: Yo, brothers. This was the tri Tac Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives. And, sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at tri Tac Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts. Because we're some bad mothers.